You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And today we have Gary Webster again. Uh, it's good to have him back in the studio, Gary. Good to be Welcome back, back, Jason. Thank you. And uh, we are on episode two today of his program, which is titled what, Gary? Terrorists of the Ancient World. That sounds exciting, doesn't it, Jason? It does, it does, it does. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about that. I don't know much about that myself. So, uh, so Gary, last week you shared you know, quite a bit about the uh, archaeologist's work in the Middle East. You gave some evidence for historical ap- accuracy of the Bible. We talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls and various things. What are we going to look at today? Obviously, we've had the title, but uh, just give us a snippet of what today's going to be about. Yeah, Jason, we're going to look a little bit deeper into that historical accuracy thing, but we're also going to talk about uh, the most significant discoveries of archaeology that relate to life today. Okay. So uh, last week we talked about the fact that many people claim to know how to have the best life today or perhaps how to have uh, life after death. Um, just recap uh, some of what we learnt last week. Uh, some of the sources that uh, we that you've discovered can be taken seriously. Yeah, Jason. We, last week we mentioned two critical things for a source that that purports to have the the secret to life today and life after life or life after death. Number one, you need historical reliability, we mentioned, and we found some incredible discoveries from archaeology that showed that the biblical writings were indeed accurate. And the second thing we need is we need a a relevant source. It really touches life at the coalface, so to speak. It really deals with what we all go through in life. So, And we'll, we'll talk more about that, both of those issues, during this program. Okay, so before we get into it, uh, you're an archaeologist, Gary, and uh, what do you consider to be the most significant archaeological discovery in the Middle East? Well, Jason, I think there's three discoveries. I mean, there's some famous ones, aren't there? You think of Tutankhamun's treasures, um, that are probably the most famous, but not the most important. Uh, we'll actually have to look at Tutankhamun's treasures in one of our programs coming up. I look forward to that. Yeah, well, lots of people do. Great to see those things, but we'll we'll talk more later, another program. The most important or significant discoveries are, first of all, the Dead Sea Scrolls. We talked about those, you recall, last week that uh, discovered at Qumran on the northwest edge of the Dead Sea. And, of course, they were significant, we discovered, for, for two primary reasons. Number one, the Bible hasn't changed when they compared the Dead Sea Scrolls over 2,000 years old with today's Bible that we have in our homes or in the motel, the same. No change in meaning really at all. And then, of course, the writings of the Bible prophets found in the Dead Sea Scroll contain predictions with a proven track record that are vital to the world today. And we'll talk about some of those predictions that have actually been discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls, Jason. That is really exciting, but we'll a few programs down the track there. And finally, um, the Dead Sea Scrolls help us to to really understand that the, the biblical uh, writings are absolutely historically accurate as well because of what's inside those uh, biblical scrolls that we talked about last time. Okay. So um, Egyptian hieroglyphics, we talked a little bit about those last time. Why, why is it important to unlock 
uh, that uh, part of the archaeological discoveries and, and, and the writings? Uh, good question. Let's talk a little bit about the discovery of the Egyptian hieroglyphs because this becomes critical. That's a, a great question. We did briefly mention the hieroglyphs in, in one of the um, discoveries last time, but we, we, we need to go dig a deep, d- deeper on that one. Egypt's a fascinating place, Jason. You better come with me on one of these tours, man. You'd really enjoy going down the Nile River, I tell you. I think I would. <laughs> well, Egypt is not only the Nile River, it's awesome monuments, it's mysterious temples, and it's mighty pyramids. And on the walls of those temples and inside those pyramids and monuments and so on, there's this strange hieroglyphic writing which no one could understand for centuries, thousands uh-huh. of years. Wow. So, so how did they unlock that? Well, it goes back to 1798. Napoleon Bonaparte was over there with his soldiers in uh, in Egypt, and they were they were fossicking around or whatever they were doing there in the Delta region around a town called Rosetta, and they uncovered a big stone. It's in the British Museum today, and when you look at this stone, it's sort of a triangular shape. It's in three sections in three different scripts. And uh, the top script is in hieroglyphic writing, that strange pictorial-type writing of the Egyptians. The, the next, the middle section, is actually a, a cursive form of hieroglyphs called demotic, and, other, and they didn't understand that either. But the bottom section is in Greek, and scholars could read the Greek. Now, they guessed that this was the same message in three different scripts, three different languages, if you would, or scripts, and they guessed that right. And so they read from the known Greek language to the unknown languages. They, For example, they came across a word in Greek which says king, and they saw this, whatever that symbol, keeps cropping up in, in the Egyptian hieroglyphs. It took them 20 years, uh, Jason, to work on this thing. And finally, after 20 years, they were able to decipher the hieroglyphs of ancient Egypt Thanks especially to a guy called Francois Champollion. He was a French genius, if you like. Okay. So how did understanding the Egyptian and Mesopotamian history, the culture, the beliefs, the religion, how does that relate to the Bible? Well, okay, good good question. We'll come to the the Mesopotamian stuff because uh, that's another another story in a moment. But what it meant, now they could read the hieroglyphs, that means they could understand the culture, the religious practices, the history of one of the greatest civilizations of the ancient world, Egypt. I mean, everybody knows that goes back thousands of years. So they could that they could unlock that. Now, the, of course, the next great discovery um, was what you mentioned, the Mesopotamian. Now, let me talk to you briefly about how they discovered the Mesopotamian script. The Mesopotamian script is what we call cuneiform. It, it's a rather, it, it, there's not too many people who can read it today. Certainly wasn't back around the 1700s. Nobody could read it. But we go to Iran. By the way, Jason, you, as I said before, you've got to come on one of these tours, mate, because I take the people people to Iran. That's a beautiful place to visit. Wow. The Iranians are very friendly people. Some of the friendliest people you'll find on the planet, in fact. Lovely people. When you go to Iran, you come to the ancient Silk Road that travel right across, you know, to, to Asia and right across through to, to, to part, early parts of Europe there. 
but it came through right past a very important cliff face. And you know how it is today, people graffiti everything. Yeah. Well, the ancients used to love to graffiti too. <laughs> they would leave graffiti with all their stories of their conquests or whatever it was. And on one of the cliff faces, there's this huge big piece of graffiti that was put there by Darius I. Now, he's what we call an Achaemenid or a Persian king. Okay. By the way, Jason, he's actually mentioned many times in the Bible. I was going to say, I think that name rings a bell. I think I've I've seen that in the Bible. Yeah, you'll find it in the book of Ezra and so on. He's a famous character. And uh, this guy is a big inscription of him. He's he's just beaten his enemies uh, and he's put down their rebellion and he's got his foot on the chest of one of these guys to say, I triumphed over you. But the story is not important. What is important, it's written in three different languages. Old Persian, a language called Elamite. The Elamites lived over in there in, in that area, in Persia, and also what we call Akkadian or Babylonian. This script was the script of all of Mesopotamia. The Babylonians used it, the Persians, the Assyrians, uh, you know, and, and even others used this script. And the, the same, pretty much the same. Across. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a same type of style. It'd be like saying, you know, it's French and English. Yeah, totally but we, different. But than we use else. the same. We use the same letters. Yeah, exactly. The same type of style of yeah. writing. Exactly. Now, so what did this mean? Oh, by the way, um, they, they, this inscription. Fortunately, there was a a British soldier there called Sir Henry Rawlinson. And he took a paper mache squeeze of this great big inscription, the, the writing of it. I mean, he could have killed himself. I mean, this is up on a cliff and he had a, you know, it was precariously up there with another, with a young kid making a squeeze of this thing. And fortunately, they were able to use that when they got back home. But Rawlinson is attributed to being one of the fathers of the understanding of this cuneiform script of Mesopotamia. You're not the only one. There, probably one of the most important was a guy called Hinky. Hinky, he was a Christian minister uh, back in the 1800s. Anyway, what does it mean? Now we could read these clay tablets that come from Mesopotamia, and uh, some of these clay tablets, for example, we have the Gilgamesh epic. That reads like Noah's flood. It's the same story. Right. Unbelievable. George Smith was reading one of these texts in the British Museum basement where there's hundreds of thousands of these things, um, and he's reading this. Wow, this is this is exactly the sort of thing we have in the Bible, this Noah's flood, you see. Wow. So these cuneiform texts become very, very important for this reason. You see, Mesopotamia is regarded as the cradle of civilization by scholars. From there, every civilization spread out to Asia and down into Egypt and so on. So understanding the writing meant we can now understand the history of this area of the world, the the culture, the religious practices and so on. So this opened up this great civilization. So is that that uh, the Mesopotamian area, is, is there a modern name for that? We, we call it, part of it is Iran, yep. uh, Iraq. Okay, so it's uh, that, that, it's that cent- area. It's really, central, really, central. Really it's Iraq and further west part of the story with the Persians to further east of that. Okay. Now, what's significant, Jason, about this is this. This is the Bible lands. Yeah. Egypt. Mesopotamia, in the Old Testament especially, and of course everything between Mesopotamia and Egypt. And so the Bible speaks about things that the ancient peoples of those places talked about. And now we can see, did the Bible get it right? Because now we can go back 
uh, to their writings. And it, and it lines up. Well, we're going to see that. I'm going to, I'm going to take you and show you very clearly it lines up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to remind our listeners of the number that they can contact us on. And that number, it's a mobile number that you can text on. It's 0488-880-891. You can text us anytime. And later in the program, we're going to have an offer that uh, you can text in a code word and we will be able to send you something special. So stay tuned for that. But until then, we're just going to take a break and we're going to have a listen to this before, song. Before we do that, Oh, Jason, you've got something. I, I want to say... You've got to stay tuned because I'm going to talk take us to the terrorists of the ancient world. Which was the title of this uh, program today. Exactly, because that takes us back to Iraq, to the places of Mesopotamia. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that shortly. This song is originally by Amy Grant. It's called Better Than a Hallelujah, sung by Sarah Hart. Better than a hallelujah. 
You're listening to Tassie Encounters. Today's speaker that I have with me in the studio is Gary Webster, and uh, we're talking about the terrorists of the ancient world. Now, our program's titled Tassie Encounters, but this time we're going to be encountering some historical things, something about the ancient world. And uh, Gary, um, why do you call, or who do you call, the terrorists of the ancient world? Yeah, Jason. By the time we're finished, uh, you'll see why they're called the terrorists of the ancient world, no question about it. But we're talking about the mighty Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians actually were the masters of the Mediterranean, Middle Eastern world uh, around about 900 to 600 BC. That was 2,900 years ago, roughly. They were at their, their peak around 2,600 and I want to talk about one particular king of this period called Sennacherib. Now, Sennacherib is living from about 705 BC, thereabouts, to 681 BC. Now, let's just talk about the Assyrian Empire. That, uh, Jason, we mentioned Mesopotamia a while ago. That's really basically part of Turkey, the eastern side, more getting far east, then Iraq, and we're starting to move over to Persia. That's what we call Mesopotamia today, or in ancient times. Persia is now... Persia is Iran, Iran, so that's really on the border of Mesopotamia. Um, But Iraq, smack bang in the middle, most of Iraq. Now, the Assyrian Empire from 912 to 600 BC, they rule from the Persian Gulf, that's in Iran, uh, and Iraq, right up through to Iraq, up to Turkey, on the edge of Turkey, and right down through what we call Syria and uh, Israel, and even conquered Egypt at one point in time. So there's a massive, massive empire. Yeah, huge. That's a lot of territory to control. And you can imagine uh, that people who they conquered would want their independence. Yes, So there were many revolts against the Assyrians, especially during this time from Israel. You see, what happened was the Assyrians, they, you know, like it's the football season today. Yep, yep. They had the war season. Okay. This is the time you go to war. And so the Assyrians would conquer people and they would have vassals, in other words, people who ruled it for them from the locals, if you like, but they were really under the control of the Assyrians, and you had to pay taxes to the Assyrians for the benefit of being ruled by them. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds sounds wonderful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the Assyrians wanted to take a temple, some tax from the, the Israelites, and King Hezekiah, who's the king at this time mentioned in the Bible, this guy says nothing doing. You're not taking any more taxes from us. So the king says of Assyria, says, Okay, I'll come get my taxes with my army. Yeah. And so he marches on, on on Israel. That's what we call Judah, the southern part. And he attacks them and comes to Jerusalem. And this is where we pick up the story, you see. Okay. Now, let's just say, or let me, let me emphasize, we've talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls, remember, last week, Jason? Yes, we Those did. Those famous scrolls that were discovered. We mentioned that they found almost two complete scrolls of Isaiah the prophet. Yes. And this story actually is picked up in the book of Isaiah. Okay. So we're going to pick it up there. I'm actually going to read uh, some snippets of that story from the Bible so that 
when after we have another break, we can see, okay, so what did the archaeologists discover? So we're going to read the story first and pick out the highlights, yep. and, and then we'll come back to, okay, what did the archaeologists discover? So let me read a few things. Okay. Let me start. We're, we're looking now in Isaiah chapter 36, and we pick it up in verse 1 and 2. Now, it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. Now, don't forget, Jason. Hezekiah. I'm, I'm going to get you to remember a few he, things. Hezekiah. Here. Hezekiah. Hezekiah. That Sennacherib, that's the Assyrian Sennacherib. king, right, king of Assyria, he came up against all the fortified cities of Judah, that's southern Israel, and he took them. Don't forget that one either. He took them. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh. You don't need to remember that word. That's a pretty, yeah, pretty that's big a hard one. one. It means the chief of staff. Okay. General, uh, with a great army from Lachish. Now, I want you to word that, remember that word, Lachish. Right. Now, Lachish is southwest of Jerusalem. Okay. It was a fortified city, and so the Assyrians are down there. They're, they're, they're battling that city, according to the Bible. And he sends his chief of staff from that city, where they're attacking, to Jerusalem, up north east now, to, a, to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. Now you're wondering what on earth is all that about? Why would he be why would the king of Israel, Hezekiah, be at the aqueduct, do you reckon? An aqueduct is going to bring what into the city? Water. Exactly. Hmm. If you don't have water when you're about to be besieged by an enemy, you're dead meat. You're in you're in big trouble. <laughs> exactly. So let's continue the story. Hezekiah made the pool and the conduit, that means the water tunnel, don't forget that word now, yep. water tunnel, and brought water into the city. Okay, so he's making sure his water supply is safe for what he thinks is coming next from yep. these Assyrians. Now, let's read on. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, so he sends a message now, yep. and says, I've done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. What's he saying? He's saying, sorry, king, I should have paid my taxes. Hmm. Um, yeah, forgive we're, we're, me. I don't want to fight. <laughs> I don't want to fight. Exactly, Jay. I don't want to fight. And we're going to see why he, why he said that in a minute. So these guys are knocking at the door, hmm. these Assyrians. okay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. That's a bunch of money. Uh, so Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. So he says, here's my taxes. Yeah. Don't forget that taxes. So let's put up what we've found so far. It mentions a king called Hezekiah. Hezekiah, right. He's the Israelite, South Israelite king, if you like, Judah. Another king? Sennacherib. Sennacherib, right. Man, you are a good listener, Jason. I'm trying. And third one, a city. Lachish. Lachish. That's Lakesh. it, Lachish. And then a water tunnel. Yes, right? the aqueduct. And what about was next? What was what did, what did the king decide to do in the end? Uh, Hezekiah. What he decided to do was to uh, um, pay, s- pay the taxes. Pay the taxes, yeah, exactly. He's a good yeah. taxpayer when the army's outside. Right, so you've got it. So he's paying taxes. Now, you, you asked the question a while ago, why do we call them the terrorists of the ancient world? This is... This is Pretty gross. When you go to the British Museum, you see some scenes. You see, the, the ancient Assyrians would draw pictures 
on their walls of their palaces. They didn't have TV screens, obviously. So they decorated their palaces with these great scenes of their hunting expeditions. Their military conquests. Their military conquests. They're going to Lebanon, getting logs, the cedars. All this is painted on their... Well, not painted. It's sort of like sculptured almost. Crafted. Crafted on the Mm. walls. Now... When you look at some of these scenes, you see them. It looks like they're playing rugby, but they're not. These are human heads. They decapitated oh. people. Jason, these people, the ancient Assyrians, not the modern Assyrians, the ancient Assyrians were barbaric. Yeah. Um, they would cut body parts off while people were alive. They would impale people on stakes, pull them on stakes, and they would skin people alive. I mean, that is why we call them the terrorists of the ancient world. You didn't want to be in town when they came to town. Mm. And you can understand why Hezekiah says, I'll pay my taxes mm. <laughs> when they're knocking at the door. So, so was this just a, uh, a bit of a ploy by Hezekiah or was it that he did actually change his mind? He changed his mind. Ah, okay. You know, he got scared. You'd yeah. get scared too if you knew those um, guys were yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Now, he, he, he did something else. When the king, the, king of Hezekiah, the, the king of Sennacherib sent a message, remember, we said, what was the message? He said, hey, you guys, we have defeated all the cities in Mesopotamia, of other nations, wherever we go, we rip their cities apart and we we, demor- we, we, we kill people and we cart them off to another place. Um, who do you think you are that you're going to be different? Hmm. So Hezekiah did what everybody else would do in such a situation. He prayed. There are no atheists in foxholes, as we say. <laughs> so he says, God help me. These guys are going to butcher us, basically. So hmm. we need your help. Uh, To cut a long story short, Jason, God sends a message to Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah tells the king something interesting. In fact, you know what? I think I'll get you to read this for us. This is is not only a message, but it's a prediction, a prophecy that Isaiah makes to the king who said, God, would you help me at this time? Because this was a really a big crisis in Israel. So I'm going to get you to read it uh, for us, Jason. Thanks. Okay, so then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Zanakrib, king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mount against it. And that's found in Isaiah 37, verse 21, 22, and 33. Awesome. So this prophet sends him a message of hope. Yeah. God's going to get you out of this. They're not even going to shoot an arrow in here, man. Not even going to bring a, build a siege ramp. Now, the Assyrians were masters of getting into city. They'd bring siege ramps and then put these battering rams up they look like tanks when you when you see them in the museum. They'd belt the walls down. Yeah. So they were they were mighty masters. Now what does the Bible say next? Let me read to you what happened next. Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians one hundred and eighty five thousand soldiers. And when people uh, rose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. That's verse thirty six of Isaiah thirty seven. So it really actually happened. And then the Bible tells us this. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, home. He returned home and remained at Nineveh. That's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Yeah, and that's uh, sort of up north, is it? Exactly, north and then heading west up north. Now, the reason he's gone home is he's got no army left. 
Yeah. 195,000 have been killed. Where, where else would you go? Eh? Exactly. <laughs> now it says, it came to pass, as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, this is back in Nineveh in Syria, that his sons Adremelech and Shereza struck him down with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Ezahad and his son reigned in his place. That's Isaiah 37, 37 and 38. So see what's happened now. This king goes back home and he's assassinated. Yeah. And a guy by called, his own sons. Exactly. By his own sons. Nice. <laughs> very nice. Very but nice. It used to happen in the old days, isn't it? In, it, in the ancient times. It did, yeah. if you wanted to be on the throne. Yeah. And so Ezahaddon, now you've got to remember that name, man. Ezahaddon. Ezahaddon. Remember yeah. that because we're going to come back to it. This guy becomes the king according to the Bible. Now, Jason, what we've read is we have read the Bible's description of this event. And when we come back after another song, we're going to talk about, okay, so what did the archaeologists discover about this event? It's going to blow your mind, man, I tell you. There's some pretty uh, serious events uh, described in, in the readings that we've just done, Gary. Absolutely. Okay, let's, uh, let's take a break and let's have a listen to this song. It's called Hills and Valleys by Torin Wells. tears away and I felt the pain of heartbreak and I've seen the brighter days and I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place and I have held your blessings God you give and take away no matter what I have your grace is enough and no matter where I am I'm standing on the mountains I will bow my life to the one who set me there In the valley I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there When I'm standing on the mountain I didn't get there on my own When I'm walking through the valley I know I am not alone Your God of the My dreams get broken In you I hope again No matter what I know I'm safe inside your hands On the mountains I will bow my life To the one who set me there In the valley I will lift my eyes To the one who sees me there When I'm standing on the mountain Joy in every pain Through it all 
out of the hills and valleys, and I am not alone. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and today's program with Gary Webster. We've been talking about the terrorists of the ancient world, the mighty Assyrians, the Assyrians, and uh, so we were just. Uh, reading from uh, Isaiah and we we learned about this story of Hezekiah Sennacherib and uh, I just want to ask you Gary what's what's the archaeological evidence what's been discovered in archaeology that connects with this story that we read because there must have been some reason why you wanted to read this story eh? absolutely this this story is uh, absolutely incredible the story itself, but what the archaeologists have discovered. For example, we mentioned that you, we mentioned, uh, this came from Isaiah the prophet. Yes. Just, just about two years ago now, maybe three, they discovered a bulle. Now what's a bulle? A bulle is a little piece of clay about as big as your thumbnail. A piece of clay with with a seal impression. They had a ring with their seal on it and they would press it into clay. This one has, it did belong to Isaiah the prophet. Now, that was mind-boggling. Uh, they, this guy was evidently real. So how long ago was that? About two years ago, two, two and a half years ago. That's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, in Jerusalem. But one of the reasons they, they, they believe that was certainly the prophet Isaiah is because it was found not far from another guy called Hezekiah the king. Yeah. Remember the story, Hezekiah? Okay. Hezekiah. He was so one they of found the... his bullet or seal impression. Yeah. And then, of course, we've we've got lots of evidence for Sennacherib in outside of the Bible. You know, the the ancient Assyrians left records of this guy as well. So, so until until recently, the Hezekiah one was thought to be again. Well, un- it could unknown, have been. It unknown. could have been. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, but now we know. Now we know. We've got the evidence. And same with Isaiah. It seems this was his seal as well. Now, the siege. Remember, we talked about a city south. E west of Jerusalem. What was it called, Jason? Review time, man. Uh, Started with L. La Lachish. La you got it. it right, man. <laughs> that little city. The city, the siege of Lachish was mentioned by the Bible. Now, I mentioned that the ancient Assyrians had these big, what we would call murals on the walls of their palaces. Yeah. Well, one of the murals is of the Battle of Lachish. Uh-huh. And so this one that we've just been talking about exactly you can see that if you go to london anytime go to the british museum and you go into the lachish room okay and here's all the battle scenes of lachish on the walls you see for example the archers shooting their arrows the assyrian archers you see them with the slingshots you ever heard of david and goliath i'm sure you yeah have. yep yep well those those implements were used the slingshots and the Assyrians use those in warfare. Okay. And you see them. So if somebody wanted to go and Google this to, to yeah. actually see some of that, how do you spell Lachish? L-A-C-H-I-S-H. Lachish, it's called, but it's Lachish, it looks like. Okay. Yeah, so look, you, you do Google that and you'll see the battle scenes from this uh, campaign of Sennacheribs. You see the spearmen come up with their spears, and then you see the battering rams. With their looks like a, 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 a turret of a of a tank, but it's just belting into the wall. And then finally, you see the Israelites taken off as prisoners. You see them with their carts and their families, and some of them are being skinned alive. You see pictures of that. And then some of them being pulled down on sharp stakes. They're being killed. And others of them are pleading with the king to do not do that to them. All that's on the walls there. 
Now, one more, Jason. You were going to ask a question, I thought, just now. I was going to say, um, that's that's uh, describing uh, the various uh, conquests of the Assyrians. Of, 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 of Lachish. Or, or specifically of Specific, Lachish. It's all of okay, Lachish. Right. There's one city mentioned yeah. in the Bible. Yep. And the attack. Now, we mentioned they're called the terrorists of the ancient world. Yes. We know that now from clearly from the Assyrian records because of all their pictures they left, not only of this place but others, but the Bible actually talked about them as being very cruel. When you go to the book of Nahum, it's a little tiny book in the Old Testament. Let me read what it says, Nahum chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1 and 19. Notice what it says. The burden against Nineveh, that's the capital of Assyria at this time, woe to the bloody city. Why does it call it a bloody city? It's full of lies and robbery. Its victims never depart. Who has not heard and felt your endless cruelty? Yeah. Scholars have seen that. Boy, they got that right. Whoever wrote that, they got that dead right. So, again, historically accurate. Now, as I mentioned, some of these Israelites are pleading for their lives in that scene, and you even see Sennacherib on his throne in that scene, all right? Because it says in the Bible he was at Lachish. Yeah. And sent that guy from there to Jerusalem, remember? Yep. Now, let's now go. So that's evidence from Assyria or Iraq, where it is called today. Then there's the city of Lachish itself. Archaeologists have been excavating this city. In fact, my daughter was excavating there just a couple of years ago in this place. Um, you can see at this site of, of Lachish the Assyrian siege ramp that they built probably with some slave labour, to yep. bring their battering rams up. They even found Assyrian war helmets, or part of them, Assyrian uh, arrowheads, typically Assyrian, and stones from their sling. They found the whole lot there, right at Lachish. Yeah. So now there's evidence, not just from the Assyrians, but in the dirt yes. of, of Israel there at the site. But not only that, if, if, if some of our listeners ever go to Jerusalem, they need to make sure they take their bathers with them. Yes. You, well, you, you you talked about going to the Dead Sea, so... <laughs> you were, yeah, okay, for that one. But for another reason, you can walk through Hezekiah's tunnel today because archaeologists found the tunnel. This is the aqueduct. The aqueduct, exactly, that brought water into the city. And you walk through that, that uh, tunnel uh, in under the, under the under part of Jerusalem. It's about... Oh, half a kilometre long yeah. and they started at both ends and met in the middle these workmen of Hezekiah to bring water into the city it starts at the Gihon Spring the source of water for Jerusalem and comes underground and brings it into the city as you get to the end there's a bit of a hole in the tunnel someone decided to steal the inscription that was once there right. so someone saw this tunnel they went through it and said oh, I think we'll take that bit was it ever found? yes it was by a friend of mine. Uh, when I first, my first uh, trip to Israel, I was at a study centre and it was led by Dr. Siegfried Horn. And Dr. Horn took us all over Israel, and especially in Jerusalem. And, you know, we had a great time with him. He was an, an elderly gentleman at the time, but very active. At 80 years of age, Jason, he was jumping off walls. <laughs> Incredible guy. You're not too far behind, Gary. Yeah, no, well, not in the age, but in the activity. You're, you're, you're pretty good. Well, the age is probably coming up there too one day. <laughs> but look, he, he, was, he was actually in the, in, in the Istanbul Museum doing research, and he came across that inscription down in the basement there among stuff, and now it's on display in the Istanbul Museum. Right. And you can see it there today. It's the inscription of how somebody, they built somebody the Somebody stole it and took it over to Tur- Turkey. Must right? have been the Turks when they were there, someone from Turkey when they were there during, you know, before the 
end of the First World War. Right. So quite incredible, really. Uh, and that, by the way, that tunnel ends at what we call the Pool of Siloam. Some of our listeners have probably heard of the story of Jesus healing a blind man and told him to wash in the Pool of Siloam. Well, that's where the tunnel ends, at that pool. Now, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Jason, what have we got? We've, we've found Hezekiah, Isaiah, Sennacherib mentioned. We've found the Battle of Lachish, archaeologists have. Now they've found the water tunnel, but that's not all. They excavated these big cities of the Assyrians. There's a lot of cities of the Assyrians. And they discovered these huge human-headed wing balls. They're massive things. You see them in the Louvre Museum, the British Museum. And on the flanks of one of these, between the legs, there's an inscription. And it says, Hezekiah paid taxes to Sennacherib. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> there you go. The, the, you can see that in the British Museum today. And exactly how the uh, Isaiah uh, described it. Hey? It's unbelievable. And, and perhaps just a couple more, Jason, before we uh, sign off on that. You remember it says... Uh, Sennacherib uh, would not throw, put an arrow in the city and yes, yes, against yep. Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, they found these cylinders. They're they're they're, they're hexagonal, six-sided cylinders. They're about what's that? About a um, foot and a half. Oh, I'm not sure what that is in centimeters because I came from an old school. Uh, probably 45, 50 centimeters. Man, you're yeah. onto it. Okay, 45, 50 centimeters, and about so round. You know, good size saucer, yep. uh, and like that, a cylinder. And it's written on. There are three of those they've discovered. One today is in the Israeli Museum in Jerusalem, another one in the British Museum called the Taylor Prism, and another one is in the Chicago Oriental Museum in the United States. They're basically the same thing, uh, you know, written three times on different cylinders. And Sennacherib tells us how he attacked the cities of Judah. Remember we said he attacked all the fortified cities, the Bible says. It lists the cities. When it comes to Jerusalem, this is what he says. I shut up Hezekiah like a bird in a cage. In other words, I didn't get in, but I surrounded him. Hmm. The Bible says he would not get into the city, and he didn't get into the city. If he had got in, you would have he would have written about how he smashed them to pieces and all you know in his bravado because yes. that's what the Assyrians did. Yeah. But he doesn't. I just surrounded him like a bird in a cage. Yeah, unbelievable. It's interesting, isn't it? So you know, together with last week, we were looking at the Dead Sea Scrolls and and uh, those discoveries and and uh, the. Uh, uh, it was Bel- Belshazzar, Belshazzar, we mentioned yeah, him. And, yep. uh, and a number of other things. So we're, we're, we're getting lots of evidence here that um, what the Bible has written, the historical record of the Bible, that's the point. seems to be uh, reliable. It's very reliable. And that's not all that's in this story. Remember, it mentioned Ezahaddon would become the next king yeah. when he, when the king was assassinated, as Sennacherib was assassinated. You can go to the, Perg- the, the Pergamon Museum in Berlin today and you'll see a stele. It's like a big monument. It's Ezahaddon, the king of Assyria. He was the next guy. So as you said, Jason, look, archaeology again and again has shown that this book called the Bible is historically accurate, which means we can trust it. What it says is trustworthy information yeah yeah well um we're going to go to another song and uh i'm sure there's a few other things that um we'll you'll share after but well, what, uh, I want, what i want to say before you go to that song jason is that so what does that have that story itself have to do with you and i today so when we come back i'm going to share the incredible relevance of that story to each of us 
in life today. Well, that, that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what your program is all about, isn't it? Yeah, it's, life, it's connecting, you know, yeah, what it means life. to us. So uh, let's listen to this song. It's You and Your Crown by Matthew Mole. Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. So, Gary, uh, before the break, you were telling us that you're going to share all of this relevance uh, of the ancient history and yep. the uh, archaeological evidence that uh, you've found that connects to the Bible and how that really relates to us today. Because it's whilst it's fascinating and interesting, 
um, it's more beneficial if we can actually get something out of it that we can uh, use today. Exactly, Jason. The, the, the Bible itself is not there, just there for a bunch of s- stories that are factual. It's got a deeper thing for life today. Um, so first of all, Jason, what we've noticed here is that this story of Sennacherib's attack against Hezekiah and Jerusalem comes with it, or with it comes some very important life principles today and some important uh, lessons we can learn. Number one is this. This book is not a bunch of fairy tales, as we've, we've seen clearly. This book, the Bible, is historically accurate. It's not myths and legends. In other words, you can trust it. That's the first lesson we learn that's relevant to life today. This book is trustworthy, and it deals with life. For example, the next thing is this. Sooner or later, this story helps us understand, we're all going to face a challenge that's too big for us to handle. Yeah, Gary, um, uh, I'm not going to say too much about this now, but uh, I've I've had one of these experiences in the last few years, and uh, um, it was actually a story from the Old Testament of... Uh, the, uh, in the book of Chronicles um, that really helped me get through that because it talked about this unconquerable battle exactly. and uh, how God actually came through and, and helped, very similar to the, the one that we've just been talking about today. So I, I, I know firsthand what that's like. Yeah, exactly. And so here's a, here's a story of someone who faces a big challenge in life. I mean, these guys are the terrorists and they're knocking on the front and the back door. Mm. and ready to take over. And, Jason, when you think about it, uh, life throws some challenges at all of us, doesn't it? You know, uh, it can be loss of a child, that our world almost spins out of control, loss of a, a partner, loss of a job. You know, what are we, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay the mortgage? Loss of a... Of a of a, an ex- or failing an exam, you know, for a young person who's wanting to, to, to get out there and do stuff and and they failed all all of us sooner or later face a challenge that's too big for us to get through yeah. sooner or later it's going to happen and what's the solution this story tells us very clearly God is the solution Hezekiah he goes into the temple and he praises as God we're in big trouble we need your help <laughs> or we're dead meat Mm. And I think, Jason, that's a very important thing. I've, I've been through challenges. You mentioned a challenge you've been, and we need to talk about that one day. But the challenges that we go through, I've discovered that God can help us through them. God can help get us through this stuff. Now, the other thing, the third thing about this is how does God solve the problem? He sends some instruction he to does. the king. Mm. He sends a prophet. Mm. And the prophet Isaiah came to Hezekiah and said, don't be afraid. And that's part of the, the challenge. We, we get f- afraid, all of us do, myself included. We fear, and God comes along through the problems and says, don't be afraid. What's the solution? Listen to the word of God, and that's through his prophets. Those are key life principles from this incredible story. I know uh, that I have used the word of God, and particularly Isaiah. There's passages in Isaiah that helped me through my greatest challenges, and it's amazing how something that was written so long ago has relevance Absolutely. to me today. Yeah, and we're going to go further into some of Isaiah in future programs because, man, there's other great stories, archaeologically sound, historically reliable, that help us today. Yeah. 
So, Gary, we mentioned earlier that there was going to be an offer, and uh, we actually had this offer last week as well. But just remind us what that offer is, and I'll remind the, the listeners what the number is. So the number to text in is 0488-880-891. So what's the offer, and what's the code word, Gary? Yeah, look, it's a fantastic offer. It's the Digging Up the Past Reading Guides. And these guides look at the ancient civilizations and how they're helping us today in the present. Uh, we go to ancient civilizations of the Egyptians, the Hittites. We're going to go in those reading guides to the Assyrians, the very thing we talked about today. Uh, Babylon, Israel, the Greeks and the Romans. Absolutely incredible. Full color reading guides and absolutely free to our listeners, Jason. Awesome, and the code word is DIG number one, D I G and the number one. You can text it into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And remember that if you've got any questions for Gary personally or for any other of our presenters, you can use that number to text in as well. So next week on your program, Gary, Lifetime Search, what have you got for us? Wow, it's a terrific one. Search. I've called it the secrets unearthed, I should say, health, wellness, and the Babylonian psychics. That sounds intriguing. Now, listen, let me tell you, Jason, I mentioned I have a background also in science, and what archaeologists have discovered shows that the Bible is absolutely scientifically reliable. Yeah. And we'll talk about that next week. Okay, and tomorrow you can join us with uh, Ryko Selick. His program is 3MJ, where he's studying the final week of Jesus, and his title tomorrow is The Fruitless and Withered Fig Tree. So I do hope you can join us tomorrow, and uh, we just hope that and pray that uh, the rest of your day will be great, will be awesome, and you can join us tomorrow. of love.